You're listening to The Cracked Cup with Liz James and Ann Barker. Except for the first four and a half minutes, it's just Liz James retelling for context the story that I told at the last worship service about my mom in the church choir. So if you were there and or you don't want to hear about my mom in the Anglican church choir, you'll want to skip ahead to the five minute mark. Music was the spiritual practice of the family I grew up in. We had songs for everything. We had car trip songs to break the monotony. We had Christmas songs for the holiday. We had dishes doing songs. We had different dishes doing songs for if you were doing them with people or if you were doing them on your own. If you were doing dishes with people, you sang Amazing Grace in five-part harmony. If you were working alone, you sang the song that my sister Tila wrote specifically for that situation. It went, poor, poor Tila, she has to do the dishes Poor, poor Tila, no one listens to her wishes. You substitute in your own name, I presume. I never actually did because I was the youngest in my family for most of my childhood. And as youngest, I discovered that dishes, like many things in life, is one of those things where consistently poor performance will get you off the hook. A lot of our songs were hymns. I was well over 30 before I realized that this was a little weird because we are not a religious family. My mother in particular, who was the source of most of the hymns, is seriously not a religious person. Not in an I don't believe that kind of way, or an I have this counter argument or other perspective kind of way, but in an I can't even be bothered to form an opinion about that kind of way. In a don't bother me with questions that have no answers, I am trying to cook supper and get something real done kind of way. So I wasn't sure where all the hymns came from. And when I asked her, I just about fell over with shock when I learned that she learned them in church choir. They let you go to church? I tried to ask, but despite my best efforts, it came out as they let you go to church? So what church? I asked. Anglican, she answered. Did you um, believe the things I asked? Like, did you say the Apostles' Creed? The what? she asked. You know, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Oh, that, she said. No, I was very upfront with them. I said, I don't believe any of that hocus pokey. I am here for the choir. And they let you get away with that. They, they let you sing in the choir after you called the Apostles' Creed hocus pokey, I asked. Of course they did, my mother answered haughtily. They loved having me in the choir, dear. I am always on key. Later, my dad sidled up to me. She's not, you know, he said. Not what? I asked. She's not always on key, he answered. She's off key a lot of the time, but nobody minds because she has such a beautiful voice. We had this conversation around the time in my life that my writing was starting to take off just a little bit online, which was a weird time in my life. What had begun as a kind of spiritual practice, a way of paying attention to my life as it unfolded and marking the moments that were funny or beautiful and sharing them with a few friends, that was turning into something a little bit bigger. And it was giving me a big head. I was in this space of, whoa, people are listening to me, which people had not done a lot of before that point in my life. And when people listen to you, it's very easy to think that they're doing it because what you're saying is super wise. It's easy to think that you have a place in the choir because you are on key. It took some time for me to notice that the things that took off and the things I was proud of in retrospect were not always the same things. Took me a while to notice that people like and share for many reasons, and they're not all good reasons. And writing in a way that's entertaining and gets lots of shares, it's not the same as saying things that are true. And it's also 
Not the same as saying things that are helpful, and also not all true things are helpful things. This was a challenging thing to wrestle with, and the, the point is, I developed a nice voice long before I learned how to be on key. If, indeed, I have learned to be on key. Because the thing about being off key is it doesn't matter when you're a soloist. But if you want to be a part of something, you have to learn to think about your place with the other voices. You have to learn to think about the big picture, the larger chords and the harmonies, and think, where's my voice needed and for what? What are the notes I need to be singing? Where are the rests in my sheet music? When should my voice be loud? When should it be quiet? When am I just making noise for the sake of making noise? It took me a while to realize that social media was a spiritual practice and to start thinking about my place in the choir. So am I doing mine? Is that what... What is no, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. Okay, because okay. you stopped so, talking and it's. I know because I was thinking I was gonna think before talking. <laughs> oh, that also scares me. <laughs> what I was going to say, my original <laughs> intro was about me being all about talking and you being all about listening, but I tried to thoughtfully speak and you were like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I mistook your quiet pause for. A stroke. Clearly a stroke. She's never done this in the entire time I've known her. I had to look up and see. Are you okay? <laughs> so yours was a listening story. Yes. Mine was a listening story. <laughs> so I told this story in our service about how one of the great things about social media was that it gave me access to communities and cultures and places that I don't normally have access to in my day-to-day -day life. Like, for instance, I wouldn't walk into an Indigenous space and just sit down at the table with somebody who's having lunch <laughs> with their friends and just listen in on the conversation. And in a social media space, that might also be rude too, but there are some social media spaces that invite that, right? So there is a group in Edmonton, for instance, that is an Indigenous group, and they welcome anyone to join. Mm-hmm even though it is mostly the Indigenous people talking. And so for me, it's a place of listening, and it's a place of learning, and it's an opportunity, you know, to shut my mouth and take in a new understanding of a culture that I don't, I don't swim in in my everyday life, right? So mm -hmm. it's so powerful and so beautiful. I love the fact that on spaces like that, you're given often clear cues about what you should do. So when you said sometimes it's rude to listen in, if it's rude for you to listen in, they won't have made it public for you. Right. Or they won't and have accepted your membership invite. Exactly. Well, and I love spaces where other people can catch me, not catch as in gotcha, but catch as in if you're slipping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And a moderated group is nice because if you do say something that is going to be a problem for someone and you wouldn't realize there's someone whose job it is to say, Oi, do you know what that can be heard as? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had that same experience when I was going to Meadville and we were doing the anti-racism stuff at Meadville was the seminary that I went to. Mm -hmm. And I was very aware how I was really early on in thinking about any of this stuff. And a lot of the stuff that was my knee-jerk first reaction had several meanings. That I The worst part was that all the racial slurs in American are not the same as the racial slurs in Canada. So there's a number of times where I actually unwittingly used racial slurs, not as racial slurs. Like people had trouble figuring out what my right. sentence was about. Right. <laughs> what is she trying so to say? Some of the words have different meanings across the border. 
and you know, there's an important piece of intentionality here where we're talking about defining what the space is because if Mm -hmm. we're trying to learn new skills like we're trying to learn anti-racism skills or how to be inclusive in some other way skills people worry about making mistakes and they don't want to misspeak or misstep and so they sometimes will hold back or not even participate at all because it's too intimidating and if Mm -hmm. we can create spaces that say this is a space where you are we are inviting you into mistakes right? This is a mistake space. And then we only invite the people who we're trying to be welcoming to who want to be there, who want to help and lead and teach in that work. And then there are some spaces where it's a space where the people who are talking are expressing their suffering and they don't want you to come and learn on their back. But if they have welcomed you in, that's a space for listening, right? And I, you know, we're, we're chatty Cathy's, right? I'm not... (laughs) Do I have to apologize to Kathy for that? <laughs> I think Chatty <laughs> Kathy works fine for Kathy. <laughs> Maybe, eh? You can apologize to Kathy, but I'm not sure that she will believe that the apology is necessarily meant as an apology because she knows that Canadians often apologize to mean entirely things other than apologies. So she might see it as a bless your heart moment. I feel harmed by your insinuation that all Canadian apologies are fake. I didn't say all. I said some. Yeah, your eyes said all. Well, they couldn't see my eyes. (laughs) I know, but now I told them. Liz from the future here. And I don't think I really heard you when you tried to tell me how you feel about that. I keep asserting that Canadian apologies are not always sincere. And so I just wanted to take a moment to say how sorry I am to you for hurting your feelings and also to my fellow Canadians for ever insinuating that Canadian apologies are ever used passive aggressively or offered with anything less than full sincerity. And so on behalf of past Liz who did not listen to you, Anne, when you were telling me about your feelings, and current Liz who is clearly drunk with power with the edit button, and all past and present future Liz's, I wish to apologize to you, Anne, and to my fellow Canadians and to the spirit of our great nation for my mistake. So yeah, listening was a big deal for me. I, I'm, I'm a talker and I'm a big extrovert and learning to listen is especially valuable in tender spaces. Where they don't have the kind of relationship that we have that allows you to go, Sheep! and then I say, oh, sorry, I meant, and how do you feel about that, Anne? <laughs> and I say, shut up, Liz. Yeah. You yeah. don't actually, you know what's really interesting is even in the moments where I'm clearly following a mathematical algorithm that is the instructions that you have told me for how to human properly in this moment, <laughs> you still don't seem to mind, right? Like if I go... Oh, and how do you feel about that? And you tell me how you feel. Like, that's good enough. You didn't need me to look natural at it. Right. But it's I don't because I trust true. you. That's true. Yeah, that you know it's earnest. I trust your sincerity, even though it doesn't come naturally to you. I should get more points. You get bonus points. I get bonus points because it doesn't come naturally. And so then even when I want to say shut up, Liz, <laughs> I take a breath and I think and I give you the honest answer. <laughs> you get bonus points for that. Thanks. <laughs> So we're not going to sum up the whole rest of the service because the other two stories, I have plans for them in other places. You really had to be there. (laughs) No, you didn't. I'm going to do another (laughs) one later. That's right. Because all the talking will cause it to occur in multiple places.
<laughs> yeah, no, I've got I've got big plans for the other parts. So the it other was fun though. It was fun. It was. So tell me about your favorite parts. What did you like about the service? What did you notice? What did you learn? So one of my favorite things is when the people laugh. So we do the services like with the spotlight view on so they see who's speaking, but I love it to watch it in the the other view, the gallery view, mm-hmm. and scroll through the people. And I love watching people laugh. And I love what to see what things people react to. I can't see them because I'm on my stupid iPad. Well, that's a poor choice you've made. It is. Do you know that sometimes people open more than one device? But I put my script on my laptop. If I print the script onto paper, Catherine Green will know. Oh, I print the script onto paper, but I'm old. Well, I'm telling Captain Green on you. She probably knows. She can probably hear me turning the pages, but I don't care. Because if I ad-lib, the service might be two and a half hours long. (laughs) Or five minutes. It goes either way, one or the other. I really liked the coffee hour afterwards. So... This time we had sort of like a schmozzle of coffee hour where it like started out as everyone and then it sort of petered off. And there was never a moment where we said, if you're a patron, you should stay. But I think naturally the patrons like to stay and the not patrons are like, we got things to do now. And I always really love that part. I'm really always wiped out by the end of that. And that's, you always shine. Like you always come on and you're like, hello, everyone. You're like a radio announcer. And he's like, I don't know, online three, we have so-and-so and and -and so-and-so we haven't, I haven't heard from so-and-so yet. Which is a skill that I do not have. And I love that part, right? I love so the interactive part. I want I want to know what people are thinking. I want to hear their stories. I want to know <laughs> what works for them. It, you know, what's their spiritual practice? Well, that got dead air. Yeah, that got and dead <laughs> air. But there were lots of funny stories about coming out that I thought were great. Like, if you don't tell me your stories, I'm going to tell you more things you should do for your spiritual practice. Careful. Someone told a story about coming out to their ex-husband by accident, which was a hilarious story in and of itself, which I'm not going to tell because I'm not sure if they want me to tell it or not. She goes, oh, but the marriage didn't end because I was bisexual. And then someone else goes, yeah, but now there's twice as many people that you're not as good <laughs> as, honey, funny. which I thought was hilarious. It was great. <laughs> And at one point, Anthony walks by and he's like looking in the door like, you told me you were doing worship and it doesn't sound very much like worship to me. (laughs) That is because you have the wrong impression about what worship should sound like. You know, we historically say worship is where we lift up the things that we value and you and I, we value fun and joy and laughter. plotting and scheming. So what the hell happened after I left? (laughs) Right. I left by accident. There was a technological malfunction and then certain people took advantage of the situation. So at the end, when we were down to Uh like all the Zoom screens on one page, it may have come up as a suggestion that we plant a practical joke Uh in the UU Hysterical Society the next day. It's usually mine. I didn't know that we could make practical jokes without me there. Yeah, well, you know... I feel inspired by your leadership. Uh-huh. And, and you know, if you've hung around here long enough, you know that the Hysterical Society started as a practical joke. Oh, yes, that's true. And so I felt like even though I was overstepping my UUHS authority, <laughs> that I could do it anyway. And one of my secret superpowers is that I have admin privileges on the Hysterical Society, <laughs> and I don't want to make trouble. Kathy will bless your heart. If you misbehave, she will write in there and bless your heart and then she'll apologize to you as translation. No, that's that's 
I just don't ever want that to happen. Exactly. So anyhow, I knew I had the secret magical power that I could start something and I didn't have to get approval because <laughs> I could just hit the button. <laughs> and so I wish I'd brought my piece of paper downstairs with me so I could read it out. But we, we as an unofficial congregation, unofficially <laughs> ordained you. I don't think you used the word ordained. We did. We did. We used oh. the word ordained. Really, we did it on purpose. Like, high priestess, rainbow, mucky muck of the something somethings with unicorns and all the things. And from the future here, we ordained Liz, her high holiness, arch goddess of the rainbow unicorn, lady of the rainbow dress. Yes, we know there's two rainbows. Guardian of the irreverent sheep, Queen Liz. Liz from the future here, I don't know that that really needed specifying perfectly. And also, being from the future is my thing because I have the edit. So you can't extend like the full right hand of fellowship to me, so just the one middle finger, is that what it was? Yeah, you know, the right hand of fellowship is ableist and like gender biased. Anyway. I only so, need like, the one finger. That nonsense. <laughs> so I planted... A post in the Hysterical Society with a picture that I grabbed out of your video of twirling in the rainbow dress in the park. <laughs> and it's terrible because it's grainy and awful. I thought you would probably improve on it, but you have not done that yet. I don't need to improve on it. There isn't. The reason it's grainy and <laughs> awful is no. that it was taken on a phone from far away. There is no need of improving. <laughs> this is not about quality, people. And so I... I announced that we had now ordained you as our high mucky muck and <laughs> then I invited people to say what kind of rituals now should you be officiating over and also what liturgical garb by which I mean which garments do you need to complete this role and so some folks played along really well we got some scepter suggestions I think Kathy posted a picture of unicorn ear horn headband which crown. she just had in her basement if you had not fallen out of the Zoom coffee chat, you would have seen that she actually modeled it. Oh, that's lovely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So anyway, it's it's still there. It's pretty fun. And people can still make suggestions about what I thought people would actually be slightly more ridiculous than they were. They were quite sincere. Our people are very nice. They're sincere. <laughs> They're nicer than you were hoping for. <laughs> And we love that. Please, please don't be insincere or mean. I got to say it was a little bit unnerving. <laughs> I like, I'm accustomed to thinking that all of the frivolity happens with me at the front or at least the awareness. Well, yes, because you always say, you know, like how you're the mirth and I'm the dignity, which I yeah. take exception to because, well, first of all, I am mirthful. And also, who wants to be all the dignity all the time? Are you expecting me to be dignified? Because I don't know how. I'm going to need a little cheat sheet, like with the how do you feel about that? Liar pants, you have beautifully dignified <laughs> moments. They're in all your lengthy recordings. In my lengthy recordings. Lengthy recording. You know, when you do those beautiful speeches that you give, sometimes you have crazy hair in them. Giving a mini Liz thesis, like the grammar <laughs> recording. There is a ton of dignity in there. You are recognizing the dignity of the folks who are normally tortured. I guess other people's dignity. Eh. Yeah, that's how dignity works. When you're standing up for your own <laughs> dignity, nobody listens to you. 
This is why, actually, okay, the, the reason why it's mirth and dignity is partly it's wordplay. So if you don't know, the first principle is respect for the inherent worth and dignity of every person, and we are inherent mirth and dignity. That's the first reason. But there is actually a reason why it's both, because mirth, hilarity, that's us. Mm-hmm. But dignity is a word that I'm using for power. Right. So I would have made it mirth and power, except for the problem with power is you can get more and more and more of it. And I'm talking about the process of taking someone who doesn't have enough power and bringing them up to the same level of power as the people around them, which is a dignity is a good word for that. Right. We are rarely, rarely arguing that somebody has claimed too much dignity. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Dignity is it taps out at a certain point and now it's it's no longer dignity. Humility in there somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. And so to me, a big part of what we do is the laughing, but also the pointing out the people who don't have equal standing in some way and also pointing out the systems that leave huge swaths of people without equal standing which is part of the reason why we focus on raising money for refugees and people in other countries for development projects and things like that that are always headed by people from that area right because that's about equalizing and that's it's like people talk about anti-sexism work or anti-racism work or whatever but it's actually an umbrella under which it's a find people who aren't being treated with appropriate dignity and try and give them what they need to advocate for themselves rather than necessarily advocating for them, which there's also a time and a place for. Right. But there's there's that fine line between um, trying to center marginalized voices or yeah. marginalized identities and and being colonial or paternal or paternalistic <laughs> where we're like oh look you are having a rough time let me fix it for you and right oh my god i'm so bad for that and i i realize like i come by that honestly as an educated white woman it's not it's a common problem you with my demographic with your life experience <laughs> but oh my god i'm so bad for That's so needing hard. to fix other people's problems rather than trusting them to come up with their own solutions it's so, so hard bad. to unlearn we talk about that in a male gender binary kind of way too. We talk about how when women get together and someone has a problem, they often are in the feeling place, right? Oh, that that sounds really hard. And Tell how me how do you, you feel. feel about that, right? <laughs> and you hear all these um, marriage stories about the woman saying, "And then I told my husband that somebody was really mean to me at work today, and he said, well, you know what you should do.' And then he had a list, and she's like, "I don't know what you to tell me what to do. I want you to say." Oh, that horrible person. How could they do that to you? That is so wrong. And it's not stuck to genders. Like, I mean, it's two women in my house and we do that to each other. We don't always know if the other person wants you to say, oh, they are so awful. Or if the other person wants you to say, would you like me to help you come up with solutions to this problem? And it goes both ways. So now we have to actually do that at the beginning of an argument. Yeah, why don't you just say, because with me, you say, Jamie really says, Jamie will say, I'm about mm-hmm. to talk to you. No interrupting. And I, she like sets a time. I'll set a timer because I'm a terrible interrupter. Last time she said, I need you to listen to this and I need you not to interrupt me. And I set a timer and I said to myself, okay, I will not interrupt for 10 minutes because 10 minutes is not an unreasonably long period of time to listen. It feels like a long time, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. And if I want to interrupt, I'll check and see how long it was. Oh, this is terrible. She's going to hear that this is what I did, but this is what I have to do. Do you think she doesn't know? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie is smart. That's why she tells you in the first place not to interrupt because she has a sense of what might occur. <laughs> She's just happy that it's no longer her job to set the timer. <laughs> exactly. 
So when I was thinking about what we could talk about, I was thinking that, I mean, that was a really great lofty service about how social media can work as a spiritual practice and not just be crap, yep. but but um, we also suck at it in some ways. And so perhaps <laughs> that would be a funny story to tell. Yeah, I've sucked at it a lot in my mm-hmm. lifetime. I'm not so much good at doing social media as I am exceptionally good at taking a story of a train wreck and making it sound like a story of a success. That is my core competency. (laughs) You know, this meaning making task (laughs) that is the task of religious community. (laughs) She's saying that like it's a joke, but people say that with totally straight faces. I say that. I just did the whole service yesterday about that. (laughs) It's our job to come together and make meaning. You know, one of the most hopeful things in the world is that the things that go really bad can be useful to us. I often think that think of that right in the middle of a horrible tragedy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you'll go downstairs and the whole basement floor is under three inches of water and you think, well, this is going to be a funny story. This is going to make an excellent podcast episode. <laughs> but you know... <laughs> you know what you don't want to do? What you don't want to do is ever say that to someone else. <laughs> oh, I I have actually used it on people in the middle of crisis. You just have to pick your person carefully. Mm-hmm. So the one time that that uh, when Mike and I were at seminary and we went trapezing and he let go in the middle of the very wrong time of the trick and fell many feet and landed on his face mm, onto a ouch. net. But ouch. yeah, but ouch, face still on not net good. Still hurts. Yeah, and he was wearing a belt, so mm-hmm. he he it was a mangled face, but it wasn't a permanent problem. And as soon as I had ascertained that he didn't need an ambulance, I'm taking pictures of him and he's like, what are you doing? You're oh, going to want to remember this later. <laughs> what? The, I mean, you're thinking of documentation <laughs> at a time like this? And he gave me crap for it. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm fine. How do you feel about this, Mike? And I did all of my stuff. And then it was literally two minutes later that we were exiting the building and some guy goes, oh my God, man, what happened to you? And Mike goes, I fell from the flying trapeze. And the guy goes, wicked. And then you just saw this transformation in Mike's face. Like, wait a second. And then he gets on the train and I had to stay because I had to go to a different direction. And from the train, like 90 seconds later, he's like, have you put it on your blog yet? Have you put it on your blog yet? <laughs> it on your box? So sometimes it does help, even in the middle, if the person who you are friends with is sufficiently, I don't know what the word is for it, mm-hmm. but like me in their attitude towards documenting their own life. Oh, how selfless <laughs> of you. <laughs> I'm Liz James. I'm Ann Barker. And we are so glad that you could join us. So things will be a little bit weird over the next month in terms of episode timing. We've realized we want to be releasing partway through the month for a bunch of timing reasons I don't want to get into. So it'll be a little bit more time than usual before our next main episode. But we have prepared supplemental materials, or we are going to prepare. We have a plan for supplemental materials that will tide you over that slightly longer gap. You've been listening to The Crack Cup with Liz James and Ann Barker. Our next worship service is November 24th, and there's information about that in the show notes. As always, you are welcome, no matter what you believe is or is not hocus pokey. 
As always, a huge thanks to our Patreon subscribers for making this happen. And if you want to become a patron and support what we're doing and get access to special perks, this month it is a This Is My Spiritual Practice sticker for your phone. And it is cheeky and it also reminds you that time spent on your phone is a part of living your life and not a break from living your life. Anyways, you can also get access as a patron to the Cracked Cup Facebook group and to Patron Coffee Hour, where Anne makes plots because she does not understand that I am mirth and she is dignity. The Cracked Cup podcast is produced by Anne Wendyko and our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. And thank you so much for joining us.